You are entering the Freedom Hut. The government is still shut down, my friends, but the buck never stops. I'm coming to you live tonight from San Diego, California, after two full days spent with Border Patrol agents. I have a lot to tell you about what's real, what's not, who's telling the truth, and who's lying about security at our southern border. That and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small step. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Not one congressional leader, including Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, has went to the border to talk to Border Patrol chiefs about the effectiveness of the wall. I keep hearing the wall is ineffective for them people. I don't know what data they're basing it on, but every place a border barrier has been built, illegal immigration has declined. That's a fact. They went through the southern Mexican border last time. Mexico failed to stop them. However, for those that get in that want to come to the port of entry, claim asylum, then we need to make that agreement operational where they wait in Mexico until they get that hearing because 92% of them will, will not get relief from the immigration courts and they'll be ordered removed. So we need to keep it in Mexico rather than get in the United States, disappear in society with the other 12, 13 million people. I went and spent some time with Border Patrol. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Unlike uh, Pelosi and her gang of Democrats, I wanted to get as much ground truth as I could because this is the single most important policy issue in the country right now. What to do about border security and how we can approach the broader issue of immigration and uh, all of the issues that are tied into it. So I have been out here in the San Diego sector of the border for the last couple of days. Uh, That's why yesterday I uh, I had to have a uh, guest host, our friend Harlan Hill. Hope he did a fantastic job. No, he did a fantastic job. Always great to have Harlan sitting in for me. But man, do I have some things to tell you today. The good news is that all of the things that we've been saying here on this show about the border all along are accurate, meaning that walls do work. There is no question that walls work. It is an unserious anti-factual position to say that walls work. It is an irrational position to say that walls do not work. It makes no sense. It flies in the face of history, reality, and all of the experts. I spoke to members of Border Patrol. Some, you could tell, maybe were a little more favorable to this president than others. All of them said, here in the San Diego sector, that a a wall isn't just helpful, it is a game changer. Now, I have more stories, anecdotes, I mean, we can really fill this out. But, you know, I wanted to start with the very broad takeaways from having been out there and toured areas without fencing, with fencing, saw an apprehension happen in real time. One moment I'm getting a tour of the fence, the next moment, oh, look, there's a bunch of illegals who are making a run for it. Hit the accelerator, and I had to sit there and watch the whole thing go down. We also had a, uh, an un- or rather a, a male with a very young uh, kid, about 10 years old, turn himself in. So I managed to see over the course of 48 hours uh, the different components of how border security is done here. But also I saw 
the scams that are being run, the exploitation of American law for the purposes of people who want to just skip the whole immigration process as we know it and get access into the American interior and do all of this in ways that the media is just either blind to or lying to you about. I've been telling you for a while that 90% of the media is just flatly dishonest about the realities of immigration, what's going on at the border, and now I'm more convinced than ever. I mean, now I'm certain that's the case. Because you can't spend any time with Border Patrol as they're trying to enforce federal law when it comes to illegal alien crossings in this country. You can't spend any time with them and not realize that the primary Democrat talking points from Pelosi and Schumer and all the rest of their left-wing crew are just false lies, fake news, whatever you want to call it. Walls don't work. It's a lie. All they need is a ladder. It's a lie. Border Patrol doesn't want more fencing. It's a lie. There's not a massive problem of infiltration of illegal aliens into this country currently ongoing, also known as a crisis. There's no crisis, they say. That's a lie. The cartels aren't getting incredibly rich off of human smuggling. In fact, now there's some estimates that they might even be making in some of the plazas, some of the sectors that they break the border down into for cartel control. They might be making more money off the smuggling of human beings than the smuggling of drugs. So there's not a crisis. That's a lie. There's not a major problem of the infiltration of drugs in human beings. That's a lie. They aren't lying to us in order to exploit our immigration system. Lying to the faces of our, of our customs agents and our border agents, that is also a lie. The record, when I was, and I started out, I went into, and I want to walk you through what I saw over the course of the two days, because it's, If you're going to talk about the border, if you're going to care about the border, any American should know these things. These are facts. This is what is really going on. This isn't just the talking point. It's not the CNN, oh, it's they're doing the jobs Americans won't do, and they're better than than actual Americans are. They're more American than Americans, these illegals. There's no problem here. There's no security threat. There's no scamming that's going on. There's no risk to our sovereignty and there's no impact on the economy on er rooms on school system lies they're just lying lying all over the place about this and have been for a very long time so i want to walk you piece by piece through this but one of the the most impactful moments that i had was was being brought into the initial i mean other than actually being there on the first day and seeing illegal illegals try to cross and, and I would note that some people, because I took a photo as they were jumping off the fence on the U.S. side, and, and then the car I was in chased them down, and Border Patrol agents got out, and they surrendered. I mean, there, there was no—the illegal alien crossers weren't being aggressive or anything. They knew they were caught, and that was it. And the worst thing that's going to happen to them is they're out some money, and they're going to get deported back to Mexico because it's a misdemeanor felony the first time to cross, although those individuals had already crossed before, of course. This was not their first time doing this. 
as we found out later on. And they were Mexican, unlike a lot of what I saw in the initial, and this is what really stuck with me, in the uh, initial processing center. When you are caught in the San Diego sector of the border and you get brought in for processing, they separate out now. Women who are with children are in one holding cell. And then there's a whole, and then they break them down by medical need. Uh, there, there is a, in the McAllen sector, or down in McAllen, Texas, and, and that part of the border, there is a, 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 a holding cell specifically for illegal aliens crossing with HIV, specifically for illegal aliens crossing with tuberculosis, specifically for illegal aliens crossing with scabies, lice, I mean, all, all these health problems. And you may say, well, Buck, I mean, they, they need help. Okay. But we need to understand that this this influx of people into the country is, one, not just taxing Border Patrol resources. I mean, this influx of people that are, yes, they're, they're crossing sometimes legally, sometimes illegally, but using the asylum process. And this is what we're seeing. It's all these, these would-be asylum seekers coming in. They are taxing the medical system. When you have one person who shows up, to border, it shows up and is apprehended by Border Patrol or turns themselves in. And they have to go to an ER, an emergency room facility. It requires two Border Patrol agents to stay with that individual the entire time they're receiving medical treatment. So they get pulled off the line. So now that's, you can imagine, how, you, get, you get 20 or 30 people who have to go to the hospital and Border Patrol has to send 40, 50, 60 agents. I mean, they send large numbers of agents to go essentially babysit them in an American ER where, of course, the taxpayer is paying for this. So, you know, it, it's not about being, you know, unkind or inhumane or, or mean. I'm not bringing up the holding facilities for people that are coming across the border who have tuberculosis as anything other than just to give the full scope of what the resources are involved here. And what we're asking Border Patrol to do, they set up a frontline triage center, essentially, for medical screening. Medical screening of people that are coming across the border because a lot of them do have very serious health problems. There's another thing that is just happening now in larger and larger numbers. You have these family units showing up, and the family units tend to show up, and they turn themselves in. I saw that happen. I saw a guy claiming to have a 10-year-old son. Just, they walked up to the border to the border fence and said, we, we want to claim asylum. And Border Patrol said, okay, and they got, them, uh, they got them transport, and then they processed them in the facility, right? And they keep the families together now. Um, they've, they've reverted from the policy that was in place this past, once they've established that it is family. Oh, which, by the way, they lie about that. You don't see that reported very often, but they call it recycling children. There will be kids that, that are someone else's kids who are being used in order to get the benefit of arriving as a family unit at the border. So, so that happens. Uh, but the medical needs are very intense for some of these recently arrived migrants. And now we're seeing more and more women arriving in their ninth month of pregnancy. I am nine months pregnant and I would like to claim asylum in your country. Okay, well, now they're going to get processed, right? Once they get processed, they're also going to get medically checked out to make sure they're okay. And then they're going to be, by uh, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, 
released into the interior of the United States pending their court date, which will probably be a year, two, maybe three years away. Is there any person right now out there who thinks that a woman who comes into America saying that she has a credible fear, and I'll get into the credible, the credible fear thing is a huge scam. It's a lie. You are, we are being lied to. When the media says you're allowed to claim asylum, no, you're not allowed to lie in order to get asylum. It is happening all the time, day in and day out. And I'll get into why in a moment. I mean, there's a lot to dig into here. But does anyone think that somebody who arrives in their ninth month of pregnancy, obviously they're going to give birth in the United States, that child is a U.S. citizen because of birthright citizenship, and now when that parent, that mother, shows up claiming asylum in two years, do you think that it even matters where she's from or what threat she's under or what her asylum case is? No, now she's got an American citizen child. Do you think any judge is going to say, any any, uh, immigration judge is going to say, yeah, we're going to send you back now? Obviously not. The incentive now is not only do you get to come into the country and get medical care and give birth in this country and give citizenship to your child, you are effectively guaranteed to be able to stay into the, in the country with that child afterwards. And this is all using the system and the laws we have that are in place. Now, what, why do I say there's a scam? How are they lying about this? How is the word out? What NGOs are involved? Who's paying to bring them to the border? Why is it that South Texas is a thousand miles closer for the caravan that came up than San Diego, but somehow they all ended up in San Diego in the caravan rather quickly and went far out of their way to get there? Why is that? Who's pushing this? There are people pushing this. There are NGOs and their efforts just using the Internet and social media to get information out there to make sure that migrants who arrive at the border know exactly what to say and what to expect and how to try and leverage the processes that we have in place that are supposed to save people from imminent fear of death. This is just being exploited for people who want to be here because it's a better country. This is Central Americans who come through Mexico and say, well, I don't want to stay in Mexico. And they'll say this. I asked Border Patrol. I said, what? When you ask a Honduran or El Salvadoran, why don't they just stop in Mexico and claim asylum there? They're, they're granted asylum if they want it in Mexico. They said, we don't want to be in Mexico. Mexico's got all kinds of problems. We want to be in America. That's not asylum. That's immigration. That's trying to come to another country because it's a better country. That's not what the asylum process is for. It is being abused. You are being lied to. And people in the media, 90% of the media is perpetuating this lie. And I I will break down the scams for you. I'll talk more about the wall, the fence, uh, where this is going. We'll also today get into the insanity. I was on Tucker's show last night talking about the insanity of this Trump is a Russian agent and people are just out of their minds. Pelosi saying no State of the Union address now, pretending to have gotten Secret Service to sign off on this. And I'm seeing now that that's not even the case. But, you know, Pelosi, what do we expect from her? Uh, and, and also one thing today, I really would love to uh, hear from a lot of you. We are going to kick those lines open. I know we haven't taken a lot of calls in a while, but I feel like today I'm out here. If you've got any questions about the border, if you want to throw in your two cents about the shutdown or anything else, team, I want to hear from you. 844-900-BUCK. That's 844. Some of you are like, whoa, I haven't heard the number in a while. 844-900-2825. Let's talk border security. Light up those lines, and we will be right back. 
The president's message has been right all along. We have a crisis at the border, both a national security and a humanitarian crisis. Democrats have got to stop ignoring the problem. Sit down with the president at the table and help us come to a solution. The president is right on border security. The Democrats are wrong. And I think that finally, because Trump has focused so much attention on this issue, because he has the courage of his convictions on this policy question to stay in the fight, anybody who is willing to learn, to pay attention, will see. The numbers don't lie. Uh, Walls don't work is a lie. You look back at the San Diego sector specifically, they had hundreds of thousands of illegal crossings in the 1980s into the 1990s every year. Hundreds of thousands and an apprehension rate that was maybe 50, 60 percent, really just guessing. Now the apprehension rate is 90 percent. That means that if you try to cross from uh, Tijuana into and some of you told me I have to say Tijuana, but I'll tell you, everybody here says Tijuana. So there's that Uh, from Tijuana into the United States. You have a nine out of 10 shot of getting caught. That's a pretty high apprehension rate, and it is overwhelmingly due to the wall. Now, how do these walls work, and and why would I say that? Especially yesterday, I saw people who got over a wall. Well, they got over a double-layer fence that had territory in between it that is U.S.-controlled, but what they did was trip sensors on the first fence, and then while they were covering that territory between the two fences and the double-layer fence, they were caught on more surveillance cameras. Border Patrol was able to respond, By the time they were up and climbing with a ladder on the second fence, we were already there. You can see if you if you follow me on Twitter, you see I tweeted out a photo. We saw them climbing down the fence. We don't we we got 16 miles of fence. We're talking about here, folks. We, We were only able to get there so quickly because they triggered sensors and there was a fence that slowed them down. And that's why they got they got apprehended. So the wall worked. Right. This is like saying. An alarm system that tells the cops to come to your house and catches the burglar, if he gets caught because of the alarm system, the alarm worked. It's not saying nobody can kick in your front door. So we'll get into more of these security nuances at the border in just a moment. Stay with me. The president has taken our government hostage. This president has an opportunity to not create a crisis and to not hold the American people and federal employees hostage. I think we know this is not about border security. This is about whether it is right or wrong to hold the American people hostage. Holding the American people hostage, the Democrats all say. It's all Trump's fault. Well, why are we at this impasse? Forget about who started it or who's responsible. What's really the problem? What is the core issue? president wants money for, yes, additional barriers, fencing, wall, uh, as well as other aspects of border security. It's a multifaceted thing. You want more agents. You want more surveillance tools. There's a whole lot of stuff that should really be added in. And the president wants to do all of that. He is right on this issue, on a unless you don't want a secure border. If you want the continuation of what we currently have, which is a border where billions of dollars of illegal drugs are still flooding into this country, killing tens of thousands of Americans a year, 
where you have tens of thousands of family units showing up at the border claiming that they have a credible fear, and I'll get into that aspect of the scam in a moment. If you want that, well, then, yeah, of course you don't want anything to change. But if we are all on the same page, if Democrats do want, and I do not believe they do, by the way, and that reminds me, I also have to talk to you about the state of California, which is on on issues of immigration, it is a legal abomination. This place is nuts. And I'll get into how momentarily. As you can see, there's, a, there's just a lot to cover here on the border because you're just not being told. You're not being told the truth. I mean, Nancy Pelosi says a wall is immoral. It's an idiotic statement. What, what, is, what does that even mean? A wall is immoral. How? Why? Are the are, is is it's mostly a fence. If you look at what they've built here in San Diego all, along the border, it's a slatted steel fence with plates at the top of it that help prevent. Uh, essentially people from once, if if they can shimmy up some portion of the fence, when they get to the top, it's even harder because there's nowhere to grip or put your foot. And that's it. And it's been remarkably effective and really helped the Border Patrol get a handle on things. People say to me, well, Buck, can't they go around? Because the fence does end at some point. Yeah, they can go around, but the the fence ends in a rural area. There's, There's not any access roads. So now you're going to have to go on foot to that part of the U.S.-Mexico border. Border Patrol does have sensors, agents. I saw one of their surveillance trucks in action today. And let me tell you, if you're trying to cross an open territory on foot and you've got tough terrain to manage, they're going to find you. Not every time, but a lot of the time, most of the time. 60% of the time, Border Patrol surveillance works every time. I'm just kidding. That's a Some of you will catch that reference, which I think is actually, isn't that a San Diego reference? Isn't Ron Burgundy in San Diego? So there's a lot that, there's a lot that you see when you actually come out here that adds to one's understanding of of how this all goes. But here's the part of this that, because I have to debate with, with libs on a regular basis all over the place on this issue of asylum. They will say, You have a right to claim asylum in this country. Remember, refugee status just means you're applying outside of the U.S. Asylum is essentially requesting refugee status from within the U.S. That's the that's the big difference. It it, it matters to some degree. It's a terminology thing, but largely they want to be refugees. They're saying they're refugees effectively, and they're just a refugee inside the U.S. So that means asylum. I saw a whole holding room full of maybe a dozen or so guys, and that was just from the, that day, who were from Bangladesh. You have Bangladeshis who are showing up here, who are claiming asylum. Well, what are they fleeing? Oh, re- re- religious persecution of some kind. You have Chinese nationals who show up at our southern border. They are claiming persecution and fear of violence. All these different individuals from around the world are coming here because they know that right now there is this loophole. It was opened up by the Obama administration. We have not been able to close it now into the Trump administration because Ninth Circuit judges are just nuts and they will stop anything that truly enforces immigration law or border security. And they're all just reading from the same script. They're all saying the same things. They also try to play games with the unaccompanied minor provision. 
the the record so far, according to Border Patrol in this sector. Remember, this is all San Diego sector, but this is the this is the busiest port of entry uh, in the world in terms of uh, foot traffic back and forth and vehicle traffic back and forth. This is you know, this is where it's all happening. And this was ground zero for illegal crossings for a very long time, and it has gotten under control. San Diego is the model in terms of Border Patrol. This is the model for what could be done along the rest of the border, which is, yes, fencing, barriers, surveillance, Border Patrol agents, access roads. There's a whole bunch of things that all come together that mean that you can get 90 95% apprehensions, which means that you are pretty close to secure. Now, they have to work at the ports of entry to deal with the inflow of drugs, increasingly sophisticated techniques being used to bring in the drugs, but maybe I can talk more about the cartel side of it in a few moments uh, and what the cartels are doing. But the record so far for somebody claiming to be an unaccompanied minor in the San Diego sector is a 32-year-old saying that he was 17. These are things that I had just, I've said this on radio. I'm sure people, I'm sure you got a lot of 20-year-olds who are saying they're 17, and guess what? Now I was able to ask, look at the numbers, and see with my own eyes, yes, that is happening. They're they claiming to be minors when they are a decade, a decade beyond being minors. In some cases, even more than that. Because they know. Oh, they show up with papers. Sometimes they show up with no papers. Sometimes they show up with fraudulent papers. They're lying to federal officers. And I think it's so interesting, I would note, that the same people, same Democrats who are going on television and saying, how dare uh, Papadopoulos or Vanders, uh, Van or any of these guys caught up in the Russia collusion lunacy, how dare they lie? Why do they lie? They should go to prison for their lies. Lying about non-criminal behavior. Meanwhile, you have Border Patrol agents and Customs agents being lied to every day. Those are federal law enforcement officers that are trying to enforce federal criminal law. Do you, do you think that there's a huge, a huge push from the same people who say that lying to the special counsel, it's a, it's a criminal offense. Lying to immigration is a criminal offense. You think that's being prosecuted? You think you think they're they're prosecuting all the people that are saying that they have a credible fear they're from Honduras when they're really just from southern Mexico but they think that they have a better shot of getting in if they're from Honduras? Do you think do you think that they, of course not. Of course not. The the law there's a separate set of laws the Democrats have created for people who want to come into this country illegally. There's there's an entirely separate approach to law enforcement that we're supposed to accept because it benefits Democrats politically. That's that's what this is all about. That's what's going on. And then you have uh, the state of, of California. The border fence that we have now here in this sector in San Diego, where I'm coming to you live on the radio from San Diego, the border fence that we have, uh, it's about, I think, $10 million per mile for this fence, which I will say, seem to me to be pretty expensive. But it makes more sense when you understand that California expressly forbid any California-based contractors from putting forward a bid to build the fence. So you had to bring in a company from Texas, because, I mean, you know, Texas is going to get it done, bring in a company from Texas that was willing to build the fence here because California 
did not want any California-based companies to be involved in helping federal law enforcement build this fence. The relationship between California law enforcement and Border Patrol is strained, not because people, whether it's LAPD or San Diego PD or any of the other law enforcement agencies that are state or local controlled, don't like Border Patrol necessarily or have some personal issue with them, but because this California legislature has created all of these penalties and all of these pitfalls in any cooperation. I mean, they they enforce the sanctuary status of California at the expense, explicitly and openly, at the expense of Border Patrol being able to get some help to do its job. Border Patrol is not able to be part of task forces that are set up in different cities. Border Patrol is not able to use their full authority. All because California is complicit as a state, as a state government, California is complicit in illegal immigration, top to bottom. They favor illegal immigration. They want more illegal immigration. They just won't come out and say it. All the policies they advocate for, they'll make it harder to infor- to secure the border. All the policies they advocate for make it more likely that you'll have illegal crossings going on. This is because it's a Democrat-controlled state, and the Democrats entirely and totally have bought in to this notion that we really shouldn't even have a border. I don't think that they think there should be a southern border. If they had their way, there wouldn't be a southern border. And I will say this. You spend just a couple of hours along the the border between San Diego County and Mexico, which is, is Tijuana. See, I'm doing it now. Tijuana. Northern Baja which is the, that's how they designate the sector. Northern Baja is currently the single most violent part of Mexico. You had 2,800 murders in Tijuana and the surrounding areas alone last year, okay? 2,800 murders. Mexico as a country is about half of the U.S. population and per capita has about double or sorry, overall, rather, has double the, the uh, murder rate. So double our murders, half of our population. Mexican crimes are solved by the state at a rate of, and this was according to a former U.S. ambassador to Mexico who told me this a while ago, but I think it's necessary to bring this into the conversation, about 3%. Three. That's not 30. Three. Lawlessness, corruption, and dysfunction prevail on the Mexican side of the border. Why is that? I'll leave that to somebody else. But to think that that would not become all of California and all of the country's problem immediately if you really just gave up on this idea of having a border whatsoever is to live in a delusion. And unfortunately, a lot of Californians and a lot of their state government live in that delusion. I had, this is the classic you know, media guy thing to do. I had a, a drive uh, uh, over here with the with an Uber driver to get to the studio, and I the guy was a nice guy. We're chatting up. He's a he's a Navy vet, and uh, I could tell he's a little liberal. Just I could tell he had some some of those like s- sort of surfer looking jewelry on. So, yeah, this guy's probably a lib. He's got some flip flops on and uh, surfer jewelry. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm. But he turned out to be a lib, and 
he's, I, he said, what have you been doing here, man? I said, oh, you know, I spent some time with Border Patrol. I'm just here doing some media work, you know, trying to learn about some things. He said, yeah, you know, walls don't work. He says, I live right by the border. Walls don't work. He told me, he says he lives a five-minute drive from, uh, from one of the ports of entry. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking to myself, this is how effective the propaganda is. That people who live near, they're pulling a Jim Acosta. They're saying, well, you know, it's, I, I don't see them running through my backyard, although they used to. I don't see them running through my backyard. I don't see all the violence and all, you know, I'm not seeing people OD from fentanyl on my front, front porch. So walls, walls must not be necessary and the border must be secure. False. This is not just a California issue or San Diego issue. It is an issue for the entire country. The drugs, the illegal immigration, the drain on resources, the lawlessness, the lack of sovereignty, all of it. And here's just the, if nothing else, I want you to take away from today. Trump is right when it comes to border security. It's really not up for debate. The Democrats are living in a fantasy. They are wrong and they are lying to you. 844-900-2825. Lines are open. Got them open, folks. Light them up. I haven't been able to talk to you guys in a while. 844-900-BUCK. We got much more show coming. Stay with me. Lines lit all up in this place. Let's get to it, shall we? First up, Scott in Mississippi. Hey, Scott. Hey, Buck. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in. Hey, just very quick, uh, I wanted to mention, uh, of course, we understand and know that these Democrats are uh, prolonging uh, the I mean, funding the border wall because uh, obviously because Trump's in office. Um, but I wanted to note that, um, you know, we're living in a digital age now and a lot of people, especially the youth, are becoming, you know, um, they think that for some reason that these people can come over here some other way. Um, the only p- way that people can come over here is land, sea or air. Um, you know, by air, they're not really going to get in. You know, Florida is having an issue with the uh, Florida Peninsula uh, coming in from Cuba. But a wall is the thing that we need in order to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. And I do want to note that Democrats are, um, they keep saying that we're going to use advanced technology to, to suffice. Yeah, but you know, I I hear this too. I mean, I can tell you what Border Patrol says about it. Yeah, it's it's great to know with technology when someone's coming. But if you don't have physical barriers, all they have to do is line up people along the border in a few different a few different places. And they they are very look. The cartels are the ones getting paid off by this. The human smuggling networks below them are very savvy about this. They used this tactic yesterday. We had at the border. A an adult and a a ten year old turned themselves in requesting asylum, and then just down about a mile from where we were, they had a bunch of guys make a break for it and try to cross over. That wasn't an accident. That was planned. They tried to tie up border patrol resources in one place and then make a break for it in the other. So yeah, you can know, but you got to have the agents and you have to have the reaction time to get there. And that's what the wall does. That's what the fence does. Right? It slows them down. So. You, know, you bring up an important point. Guys, we're going to take more calls in the next hour because I love getting a chance to chat with you. Uh, we got a couple spots open. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. We'll finish our conversation about the border. I'm coming to you live from San Diego after spending time with Border Patrol. Then we'll talk about the shutdown, the State of the Union, crazy people thinking Trump's a Russian agent, etc. Libs love to whine about all kinds of stuff, whether it's 
transgender pronouns that aren't being used properly or pretending that walls don't work at the border or taxes aren't high enough. Maybe they just need some better coffee. So if that's the case, why don't they just fix the problem? Try some delicious black rifle coffee. I start every day with a delicious cup of black rifle. I absolutely love it. In fact, I am a member of black rifles coffee club. That means that my coffee gets delivered to me every month to my door and I get delicious fresh roast to order coffee that makes sure that I start my day off the right way every day. Okay. So you need to check this out for yourself. This should be everybody listening, your coffee of choice, but make sure you go get it this way. Nothing cures a bad attitude like starting your day with the most American freedom loving coffee ever. Black rifle coffee, visit blackriflecoffeecom slash buck and receive 15% off your order. That's blackriflecoffeecom slash buck for 15% off blackriflecoffeecom slash buck. The president cannot hold public employees hostage because he wants to have a wall that is not effective, uh, not effective in terms of its purpose, not cost effective in terms of uh, what uh, uh, opportunity cost it is of of federal dollars to spend. And the president has said Mexico is going to pay for this. Come on, let's let's anchor ourselves into reality. Mexico is not going to pay for this wall. The president, in order to reopen the government. A dollar? (laughs) an immorality nancy pelosi says a wall is an immorality maybe she should actually spend some time either on the border with border patrol or learning about the situation before she mouths off on this she has i i, I don't know if she has no idea what she's talking about or she just lies uh she knows that what she's saying is false but democrats want to believe it so so she says it um i i wanted to take a just a moment here to update you on on a couple of pieces of of breaking news from earlier today uh, one is that the fbi has arrested a uh, a man in in georgia for ale- allegedly plotting to attack the white house one of the conversations that i i had that came up a few times with uh, border patrol agents was this this issue of terrorism and the southern border because the white house uh, the trump administration got a lot of heat and a lot of pushback recently for some of their numbers around that now uh, here's what i would say first of all there's this fbi arrest in georgia seems like a pretty classic uh, sting operation they had somebody human sources close to this individual who was planning to i uh, wanted to at one point join the islamic state i mean he's a, an isis sympathizer essentially and he wanted to he's accused of wanting to attack uh, locations in D.C., including the White House. The accused name is Hashir uh, Jalal Taheb. And he is now in custody for plotting all this stuff. Um, I wanted to say this, you know, I, I had a I had a moment yesterday or yesterday where I saw these South Asian males, which means either Indian, Pakistani or Bangladeshi or Afghan descent. Uh, They knew that they had some Indians and Bangladeshis. I don't know if there were any Pakistanis in custody yet. And this was just from, remember, they they hold people in these uh, these cells for no more than 72 hours. So I'm seeing, when I'm telling you that I saw a whole room full of uh, South Asian males, mostly Bangladeshis, uh, I'm telling you that that's what they had caught in the last 48 hours. Now, I have been critical of bringing up or, or or making the issue of terrorist infiltration of America via, via the southern border 
too prominent in the list of reasons why. I think it's the just the general human smuggling, drug smuggling, I and mean, that's why we need a secure border. Those are the primary. Stop the fentanyl. Stop the opioids from flooding into communities. That It, it comes across in San Diego sector. It ends up in Indiana, West Virginia. It ends up in Illinois. It, you know, name your state. That's where the drug pipelines send, you know, that's where the stuff eventually ends up. It just crosses here, uh, as well as other places, obviously, along the border. Arizona and Texas uh, have some very active sectors, too. But now, when you have this asylum process abused as it is, and you have people who can show up and know what to say, they're being told what to say, and the claim is, well, I just, I, I have a credible fear. Think about it this way. It used to be a bad idea from the from the terrorist perspective, from a jihadist perspective, for example, to come to our southern border when you could very when it's very high likelihood that you'll be caught. Right? So why would you do that? There are better ways. It, it'd be smarter, quite honestly, if you could get access to Canada to try to come across the northern border, right, because you're more likely to be caught at the southern border. We have more resources here. But remember, the game now has changed. So now if you present yourself to Border Patrol, I saw this happen. You present yourself and say, I have a credible fear. I have no documents on me. I've just got here from whatever the country is. You, yes, have to. you will get processed. You'll get fingerprinted. But unless they have a hit on you as a known or suspected terrorist you, and, and you know what to say, you will be released into the interior of the United States. It will happen. That's the policy. And, and you'll get a court date for a year or two. From now, so let's just assume for a moment that you have a a Pakistani national, which you know, Bangladesh is what used to be called East Pakistan, right? So this and Pakistan was West Pakistan, but let's say you have a, a Pakistani national who arrives at our who arrives in uh, Mexico or even makes his way up from Central America, gets to our southern border, says, I, "I'm fleeing religious persecution in Pakistan, and I I want entry in the United States under your asylum program." Even if the even if it's very flimsy, the case that he's going to present to immigration court, he will go through the immigrations and customs enforcement process. Border Patrol will, will transfer him over, and this individual will then be released pending a court date. That means released into the American interior. And the court date might be six months, 12 months, 18 months out. Who knows? Maybe three or four years out. Th- that process, unless... They already have derogatory information on this individual. That is the process now. So whereas it used to be, if you were, let's say, a trained jihadi, whether you're from ISIS or wherever, Al-Qaeda, you name it, you, would, you wouldn't want to come to our southern border because there's a major law enforcement presence, and if they catch you, they're going to they're gonna detain you and they're going to kick you out, and maybe now you're up on the radar. And now it's, if you have a, a, what they call, from a documents perspective, clean, you're a clean skin, meaning you, you don't have... You don't come up on a, you know, on the violation of the terrorist system, I mean, the terrorist um, databases that they have, right? That's what they're talking about with all these different possible terrorists that have come up. The White House is bringing this up. If you show up and you don't hit on any of those databases, and you say you have a credible fear, you're get it. You are getting into the United States. You are going to get in. On that is the law right now. You're going to get in unless they can prove that you're a threat or there's some problem. All you have to do is show up with no documents, with the right story. That is a huge security loophole, and it's a relatively new one. 
It wouldn't have been the case a few years ago. Now it is the case. So I, I think that that's important to keep in mind. While I'm critical of overstating the terrorism threat in terms of the other pieces of this, and I know we just have this guy who's an ISIS sympathizer arrested within the United States. People can say you can radicalize within the U.S. I know, but we're, we're talking about security and risk mitigation. Nothing is going to be perfect. There's always a way to infiltrate any system. There's always a way to get around the security processes in place. We want to make it as efficient and smart as we can. Now, with that, uh, I wanted to get to uh, – we, 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 got, we got every line lit here, so let me get some of these calls here. Uh, we got Charlie on line two in Maryland. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Buck. Shields high, brother. Shields high, my man. What's up? Hey, I'm, I'm an old guy. I live on the opposite side of the country, and I see a real need for the border wall. I think I talked to you some time ago about uh, the military, like the CBs. I was a CB for four years and spent a couple of years in Nam and all that stuff. But I I heard a report that I think the uh, Army Corps of Engineers has a back fund of like $10 billion sitting there that they use. And why can't the president appropriate $3 billion of that, give it to the CBs, let them build the wall, which would be much more efficient, no government contract, no, you know, high cost. You were talking about like $10 million per mile there in San Diego. I think a CB could probably do that about a million dollars a mile, save a lot of money, and go that route. Well, look, there's a chance, and you know, it's all, all very good questions, Charlie. There's a chance that the president, as you know, may try something along these lines, that the president may decide that he's going to declare a, a national emergency and, a, and, and use funds that are already within the DOD system. And I don't know, you brought up this, this fund that exists. I don't know if that's true or not or how that works, but we know the president has discussed this. The problem is without congressional funding. I mean, I don't think there's any judge out there. There are some limits to how crazy even Ninth Circuit judges can be. I don't think that a judge is going to say congressionally appropriated funds cannot be used for this purpose, right? I I don't, although maybe, you know, but I, I think that that's much less likely. The moment that the president uses executive authority to build the wall and, and uses funds that have not been congressionally appropriated for that specific purpose, you will have a court challenge. This will be in the courts, and you essentially have a federal injunction uh, against presidential authority here, which I would note this is a big problem. One federal judge can put the brakes now because of the— one federal judge can put the brakes on national-level policy for the rest of the country whenever and whenever, uh, and however, rather— and that's that's an issue. I mean, this is this is a form of hashtag resistance lawfare against the president. So, you know, that, that that's why I think it's important that they try to get this. But, you know, the Democrats are not going to I don't know how this ends up because the Democrats are not going to cave, even though I, I believe the Democrats are for people who are paying attention to the facts of this argument. The Democrats are losing. But I don't know how many people are paying attention. And, you know, the media is certainly all out to to help the Democrats out. So thank you for calling in, Charlie, from Maryland. I do appreciate it. Uh, Brent in New Mexico. What's up, Brent? Oh, Brent just dropped. My bad. Joseph in wherever, in Texas. Hey, Joseph. 
Hey, Buck. Uh, I'm very serious about my point here. Uh, the Democrats have won this one. They uh, have proven the wall is immoral. They've proven the wall is not helpful. They've proven their point. Let's give the Democrats a win on this one. Let's bring the Seabees in there and start at the beach in San Diego and start removing the wall from the beach in San Diego, California, to Yuma, Arizona. We just start one slat at a time taking the wall down. It's immoral, and it's not helpful. Take all the border control along the California border, move it to Arizona and Texas. I, I've been to San Diego. I've walked across the, the, the Pedway into Tijuana. I've been on the beach. Okay, if they call it useless, remove it. If they call it immoral, remove it. Okay, so I, I sense what you're saying is that they should have to live with the consequences of their insanity. And if you took Border Patrol off and you took the fence down and everything else, they would see that that there would be i mean the, the the state of california would essentially collapse i mean if you had if you had tijuana able to just completely come across at will and and everybody from the rest of mexico is that what you're getting at cuz obviously what you're saying you're all the things you're saying are are untrue but i'm assuming you're doing that on purpose yes there's an air of sarcasm in my voice yes that's what i'm going okay yes yeah, so you're being sarcastic shut down the border shut down the border crossing Take all of the security. Donald Trump can make a phone call tomorrow morning. Take everybody out of the state of California. Spread them over Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Start taking the slats down one at a time. Why do, why do they have to in, endure walking across the border and going through that little door? And you got to get permission to walk into America. Yeah. Well, jo- Joseph, a lot of people in San Diego need permission to go to Mexico. Uh, well, hey, Joseph, I, I appreciate. I, I, I'm going to take your uh, take your idea here and run with it for a second. I appreciate you calling in from Texas. I'd say this: it is worth asking Democrats because I've said before, and I get people come after me on Twitter, for example, little blue check journo types. They'll come after me and say it's not right for you to say Democrats are pro illegal immigration. I like to turn around and say, why not? Why aren't Democrats pro illegal immigration? Ask them that question. Right, this is this is a version of what I say to you when you have to argue with a liberal. Start from what would falsify what you believe or what evidence could I theoretically show you that would change your mind? Sometimes they'll tell you a lot of times they'll they'll think there's nothing. And that just means that their position is rooted in emotion, not in the facts and not in reason and, and history and logic. Do when you when you are presented with a liberal on this issue and you and you can say what I say, which is de- the Democratic Party is the pro illegal immigration party They're, They favor illegal aliens breaking the law coming to this country. That doesn't mean they're going to admit it, but they do favor it. And they're pushing they're doing everything they can to make it easier for that to happen. When they say that's not true, that's not true. Say, well, why not? Why shouldn't if Demo- if Democrats believe these things like illegal aliens do the jobs Americans won't do. They're all just trying to be dreamers. They're trying to better themselves. What's the downside? And you'll see that they they stutter and they, they don't really have an answer because they haven't thought this through. And that's, I think, the point that our previous caller is trying to make, which is if, if what they say is true, that there's no downside to illegal immigration, that it makes our GDP larger and makes our country stronger and more vibrant than all these things, then why even have why even have Border Patrol? What's the point? Why not just allow people the, the complete free flow of individuals back and forth? If it won't deteriorate our security, if it won't cause major problems 
with drugs and with the cartels now having free reign into this country, never mind what they already have, why not do it? And when Democrats and the Pelosiites and the Schumer, Schumerians and all the rest of them, when they can't answer that question and they won't be able to, you know you've got them and they haven't thought this through. They don't even understand the consequences of the policies they want. They just know that it feels good to say. It gives an emotional high to say we're a nation of immigrants. Bring the more the merrier, including illegals. We're a nation of illegal immigrants is what Democrats believe. They should say that and they should have to explain why. Uh, we've got much more. Co- I-, I will move off this topic. I'm just obviously in San Diego, spent two days at Border Patrol talking to you about the craziness around the whole Trump is a Russian agent thing and then some other uh, some other topics. Uh, four Americans killed in Syria. Uh, I got to go to break. I'll be right back. I know a lot of folks have heard of AARP, right? But, you know, you may already know somebody who's a member. You may be a member. Did you know that the AARP is really all about left wing politics? They fought tooth and nail for government control of our health care system via Obamacare. Why don't you get all the benefits of AARP, but through an organization that actually shares your values? I recommend AMAC. Why AMAC? Well, first of all, AMAC, like you, is all about conservative values, patriotism, and America. So that means that you're supporting an organization that is pushing for policy you agree with, but it also gets you discounts on car insurance, hotels, roadside assistance, all the upside of AARP, none of the liberal politics, okay? Stand with AMAC. Join the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great. The cause is even greater. Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. Again, one more time, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. The evidence suggests, indeed, Trump is, has been a pawn of the Russians, of of Putin. The fact that he said yesterday, I've never worked for Russia, Mm -hmm. just made you think over and over again about our two previous presidents embroiled in potential impeachments, uh, Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon saying, Bill Clinton, I never had sexual relations with that woman, and Richard Nixon, I am not a crook. Turned out they were lying, maybe Donald Trump is too. But when you start to see a pattern uh, where he basically spouts Putin's lies, then we have to ask the most unusual and a frightening question about our own president. Why this president seems to be putting Russia's interests ahead of our own. There's no evidence for this, but it is repeated by journalist after journalist, anchor after anchor, pundit after pundit. Just It's really essentially a, a form of propaganda, just the repetition of it, right? Just that, well, I can't prove this thing, but I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep asking the question, you know, does this does this person beat his spouse? I have no proof, but I just want to keep asking the question. Does, you know, individual a abuse his children? I I don't have any evidence, but let's just keep asking the question. They're smearing people. They're smearing Trump. That's what this is. A Russian agent. Who could believe this? Apparently much of the media does. And this is where you have them conflating disagreements with the president on foreign policy from having any real reason to believe that the president of the United States is working against American national security interests abroad. You know, they don't like his foreign policy. Therefore, he's a Trump puppet. This is I mean, a a Putin puppet. Rather, this is crazy. But 
this is a widespread theme now. MSNBC led their 8 p.m. show with this last night. This lunacy. How do you even have a conversation with them? I'll, I'll get into more of this and then also what this uh, this information that we've got now coming in about what happened in Syria. That's coming up. 844-900-2825, buck I know we don't take that many live calls here lately on the show because I've got so much to say to you, but tonight I... I'm in California. I want to open it up a little bit. I figure, why not? Let's get to it. Uh, Dino in Delaware. D&D, what's up? Uh, well, not a whole lot, but I've been listening to these different radio shows for, what, maybe 10 years. Now, the question I always have is, is, uh, is it an imprisonable offense to impede the operations of the executive branch or for anyone who breaks known federal law? My question is why President Trump doesn't have the Secret Service arrest the governor to these sanctuary cities or some of these lies that he can prove that Pelosi and Schumer are doing. Just plain I mean, there's, there is some. Yeah, Dino, I, Dino, I appreciate you calling in there. There is some uh, some press or some legal foundation for what he's talking about with regard to sanctuary cities and uh, and obstructing obstructing federal officers from doing their jobs. There's also giving harbor to illegal aliens. That's technically illegal. Uh, but these are laws that are not enforced. And I think that there is a sense that uh, they wouldn't want to create some kind of a crisis of federalism where you have a governor or state officials who are being arrested by the federal government. But uh, that doesn't mean that what they're doing in these states is OK. I mean, well, California should be ashamed of its approach to immigration laws. California does not get to write immigration law. That is a federal prerogative. And California acts like it shouldn't really count in this state. And it's it's an embarrassment. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of Californians think that it's just fine. I, the, the propaganda out here is is very strong. Jim in Pleasant Valley, New York. Hey, Jim. Hey, Buck. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling in. What's up? Uh, first things first, man. Um, I've been listening to you for a long time, all the way back when you filled in for the big boys. And thank you for your service and everything you do. With that said, I'm all for the border. I'm all for that. As the crow flies, I'm like 40 miles north of New York City. So let's go back 20 years. You know, you can't tell me that Chuck E. Cheese hasn't known Trump forever. You know what I'm saying? So what I want to talk about is... Is that Schumer? Is that Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, I mean, come on. You know what it is. Look, man, you were in New York. But what I'm getting at is I'm all for the wall. I'm all for all of that. Everything you've talked about tonight and everything everybody's been talking about that's going on for the last month and a half. But let's talk about what Trump ran on when he knocked out all the other Republicans going against him. He ran on also draining the swamp. That's what they're pissed off at. That's what Fancy Nancy and Chuck E. Cheese is pissed off at, because he's trying to drain the swamp at the same time. Yeah, that's all true. I mean, he, he, is, uh, he is, I think, exposing much of the establishment, especially the establishment's approach and feelings on the immigration issue. Look, I I keep repeating it because it's important that we hold the Republicans accountable on this, too. There are a lot of Republicans. Paul Ryan was uh, basically a a quasi-open borders advocate. He was, you know, everybody wants to come should come. Yeah, we do guest worker visas for them, but there should be really very little restrictions on it. We should have amnesty for everybody who's here illegally. Oh, one more thing. I, and, I, and I didn't want to get any of them on the record uh, with this one because I, I know that there's the official number for how many illegal aliens are in the country. Let me just tell you that uh, my whole theory about how you can't look at the numbers of illegal crossings and visa overstays for the last 10 years 
and tell me that the number has stayed at 12 million, Border Patrol agents, they, they agree. They're like, there's no way. First count. They got first there's, count. No, there's no way. Yeah, they, 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 they got first count. They got an eraser. The other thing I wanted to just add quick in honor to my dead father, he volunteered in World War II like millions of other men did for a submarine duty. You know what I mean? And it's like, go back in history, man. You know, I'm all for people coming in legally, but are you are you kidding me? This is this is crazy. All those- yeah, we got to have a look. I'm with you, Jim. We got to have a legal process, and uh, good good on your dad for the uh, for the service. Thank you very much for calling in, uh, Rocky in Nebraska. What's up, Rocky? Hey there, Buck. Hey, what's up? Um, hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? How are- I'm all right, man. Are you back? Team Bucks, listen to you from across all across the country. Are you uh, back in? Uh, are you back home? Or are you back? No, home? man. I'm live in San Diego right now. I'm at uh, KOGO or iHeart affiliate here. Man, I really enjoyed seeing your tweets and stuff, the pictures from the border, and I'm really glad. Um, uh, I listen to you all the time, Buck. Man, you're 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 the you're the best voice on the radio right now. Thank you and, very much. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say something about, uh, I, I don't know, did you get to see Nancy Pelosi and Chuck? I'm sure you probably did. Yeah, I've been following the news as much as I can, although the cell service in some of these canyons out here and stuff, I couldn't really download all my usual data, but yeah. Yeah, like, just looking at them, I'm telling you, those two are liars. The whole liberal party is liars. And uh, I feel the frustration of the country because... We're fighting something that is just not logical. It doesn't make any sense. They've been lying all the time. Uh, global warming is lying. The border is lying. I'm, I'm afraid that we be, we're going to be infiltrated, and maybe we already are infiltrated in our own government. It's looking pretty spooky. There's some, there's some troubling signs. Um. But anyway, I gotta I gotta leave it there, Rocky. So we have to run to a break, man. Thank you so much for calling in from Alaska. I do want to talk to you all about what's going on in, in Syria because we had uh, four Americans KIA there in the last twenty four hours. Very from a first of all, biggest thing is that we're taking losses and that we're losing our we're losing our people still uh, in these combat zones. So we need to always remember that. And and then also uh, I wanted to see I wanted to get into how. Interestingly enough, both sides of the Syria-U.S. troop uh, withdrawal debate are viewing the research, well, essentially using this attack to bolster their position on this, meaning that some people are saying, well, because we lost U.S. troops, clearly we should get them out faster. Others are saying, no, we lost U.S. troops, and I think it was two DOD civilians and two uh, military, you know, two active duty military personnel, two soldiers, Uh, because of that. We need to stay there because it shows that ISIS is coming back. So I want to give you my sense of that. And then the third hour, we'll get into some more just uh, news of the day stuff. I mean, so Pelosi's canceled the State of the Union address. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that. Uh, I also have Gillette thoughts. I see. I told you about the Gillette thing before I left. I I was ahead of the curve on that one. Now everyone's, oh, Gillette and their toxic masculinity ads. Um, I prefer one blade, which is what I shave with. You can go check out One Blade if you haven't before. Uh, OneBladeShave.com. Check it out. Uh, that's my razor. And, uh, yeah, I'll be right back. If President Trump has not shared with the Foreign Relations Committee uh, much of his foreign policy objectives, uh, 
our strategies and talk to our allies, and they, they're not clear as to what our policy is. So it's causing national security problems. My concern by the statements made by President Trump is that you'd set in motion enthusiasm by the enemy we're fighting. So I would hope the president would look long and hard of where he's headed in Syria. Now, there is a very honest and, and good faith discuss, uh, well argument we had on both sides of the discussion of what we should be doing right now in Syria. I, I get that. As you know, I, I think that we shouldn't allow ourselves and we should not have U.S. troops to be ordered to set up what would effectively be a, a forward operating base in Syria for the foreseeable future. And the foreseeable future, as we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan, means years, decades, maybe forever. Who knows? Um, that That is mission creep that we don't need, we don't want. We do not want responsibility for trying to hold the eastern portion of Syria together in the aftermath of a civil war with many factions, international players involved. It's just a mess. Anyone with a, a passing familiarity of the history of Lebanon throughout the 1980s and the 1990s and, and, uh, and what the U.S. mission to try and quiet things down there under the Reagan administration went like uh, would know that this is not something we want to be deeply involved in. That said, I'm persuadable on the timeline how quickly we should withdraw, but not we should withdraw in a year or five. It's just, is it three months? Is it six months? And how do we do this? We have been told by the Trump administration that they have received assurances from the Turkish government. I know you got to take that with a grain of salt, but assurances that our, our Turkish allies on the ground will not be targeted by Turkish airstrikes. And that's an important concession. That's something you have to have in place. But now we have to deal with what is the security situation really like for our forces that are on the ground? And what does it say about the possibility of a resurgence of the Islamic State? There was a, a bombing in Manbij, which is toward the Turkish border with Syria, uh, east of Aleppo, the second biggest city, well, was the second biggest city until it was largely destroyed in fighting, but uh, it, it, Manbij is east of Aleppo, and there was a, a bombing there that killed uh, two U.S. soldiers and two, this is the most recent reporting I've seen, two uh, DOD civilians. And the Islamic State has already has already claimed that this is one of their bombings, and this is where, I have to say, it's very important not to get caught up in this well if we set up a base in syria it'll be like our base in it'll be like our bases in south korea or okinawa or germany no that is not what we are signing our that is not what we are are assigning our troops to do Uh, they are going to be in a policing role in what is a civil war that is still ongoing And they are going to be under threat like this. Even if they're mostly in a static role, they're not in forward deployed. I shouldn't say forward deployed. They're not in frontline combat roles continuously. Just by being on Syrian soil, there is an instability and an insecurity that goes along with that. We have learned this lesson in different ways in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's one thing to smash the enemy. Our military is 
the best that has ever existed at smash and defeat the enemy. Nobody can face us on open terrain. Nobody can square off against our troops and come out anything other than the loser. But trying to hold together a society for other people, trying to police their streets or assist in the policing of their streets, trying to reconstruct or construct, depending on how you look at it, another country, a foreign country, particularly a Middle Eastern country, where we have not established full military dominance, and that is not our purpose there, right? We're supposed to be assisting these governments, assisting the government of Afghanistan and Iraq to be self-sufficient. In Syria, we don't even have that option. In Syria, the government is still, the only real national government is the Assad regime. There, there is no other government. And we can talk about trying to uh, create a, a political settlement, but there is no political settlement that the Assad regime would ever accept that does not involve them running the country. So these are the realities that we face there. And I, I think that the uh, losses that we've taken in Syria are a, a tragic reminder that this is an active combat zone. And this is ultimately not beyond the suppression of the Islamic State. This is not going to be a fight that is ours or a fight that we should uh, we should engage in. And I would just note, I, I got a fair amount of heat from including from some fellow conservatives and I think that the uh, the main line of of attack on this one uh, against me, or the, the main criticism, I should say, was, oh, well, this is just because Trump says it. And and I would point to, I wrote a National Review, I think in 2012, that Assad was an Arab problem, that we should not have U.S. troops on the ground in Syria, that we should not be engaged in ongoing combat operations, and yet another. So it's not a new position for me. It's not just Trump-related or anything like that. I mean, I'm in writing many years before anyone ever thought Trump would be president, saying this is not a problem set we want to take on. We've seen what happens in Iraq. We've seen what the situation is in Afghanistan. And we shouldn't be adding adding to our military's mission in this way. It's just not, it's not sound policy, I, I think. Uh, now, the Islamic State, can it rebound? Can there be a resurgence? Of course. But let's remember that we have destroy the territorial caliphate there is a serious kurdish ground force in place now tens of thousands of kurds that have come together who would be who are there and going to continue to be there because it's their territory they live there they're syrian kurds um, that would be able to provide assistance and support it's a ground force that we did not have before that we could rely on as an ally to stop the islamic state and we still have thousands of u.s troops in iraq right next door Air power we can call upon, uh, if need be, you know, not just fixed wing, but also rotary wing aircraft. So there, there's a lot that can be done. And I do think that the president needs to keep faith with the promises that he made. And one of them was that we weren't going to make everyone else's problems in the Middle East our problem. Uh, we weren't going to go looking for more countries to piece together and more problems to solve especially if the inhabitants, if, if the natives of that country, don't necessarily want to play ball with us. You know, and I, I look at the situation in Iraq, and the strongest block in the Iraqi parliament is the Sadrist block, which is named for Muqtada al-Sadr. Those of you who fought over there, I know many of you listening did know that Muqtada al-Sadr is a world-class dirtbag and has the blood of Americans on his hands. And this is who the Iraqi—I mean, the Iraqi people, are, by a majority— uh, or at least 
the, the single biggest party, I should say, uh, support a guy who we very likely could have seen and should have seen, in my opinion, as a battlefield target years ago. So that that our our experiment with Iraqi democracy so far is is shaky at best. And don't even get me started on Afghanistan. You all know I do not believe that there is a uh, there is a military solution to that. There is a solution that we are going to drive. We're just we can hang on. We can we can push for status quo, which whether they'll admit it or not, that is the policy now. Status quo. Just hold on to what we've got for as long as we can. Don't allow the Taliban to take major urban centers, don't allow them to be the the de facto government of entire uh, governorates in Afghanistan, try to prevent that from happening. So um, I, I think that uh, we need to, I think the president's right on Syria. Scale down the mission, draw down the mission, do it sensibly, but we're right next door in Iraq. If a crisis were to hit, we do not want to get caught up in the middle of a Syrian civil war that is ongoing and has way too many players. And that, that, that's, that's where I stand on that one. Um, we talked Nancy Pelosi, State of the Union address maybe, and also the Gillette man, what is it, mansplaining or toxic masculinity. There we go. Toxic masculinity problem and some other stuff coming up. So uh, stay with me. You want to be smart in 2019? Well, you want to be smart all the time. You know what is smart? Kicking off this year by planning out those roles, those hires you have to make so that your business gets up to the next level. You know what else is smart? Making sure that you start the new year off strong by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck to fill those roles and hire the right people. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a 1,000 reviews. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. If you love this show, show your support. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. Again, to fill any job, any business you got, ZipRecruiter.com slash Buck, because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show, coming to you live from, well, sunny San Diego, except it's not so sunny. It's been a little rainy. Not to sound like not to sound like a, a whiny swamp creature here. I'll take what I can get. It was freezing in D.C. when I left, but here we are. Um, all right, all right, our brother Kenny in Boston. He's been holding and holding and holding. Kenny, well, you're our last call tonight, my friend. Then i got to get to some stuff, but thanks for calling in. Greetings. Our shields have not crossed for a long time. I know. Listen, We've missed uh, you, Kenny. A, yeah, me too. Uh, listen, um, for about two-plus years now, we've been told that Vladimir Putin was the puppet master. Uh, but over the last uh, week and a half or so, been hearing this stuff that Rush Limbaugh was the pup bastard. So how is it? It's kind of incongruent in my mind. How is it possible that both could be the puppet master? Hmm. You know? Who's who is saying that? I, I've never heard. I mean, Rush is is awesome and he is the man, but I've never heard somebody refer to him as Trump's puppet master. Is this a media thing now? Yeah, that was over the last week during this shutdown when he was going to uh, sign the continuing resolution, and I believe that Rush was on the radio saying, oh, no, don't sign it. I hope he doesn't sign it and all this stuff, and he did not. And then at that, from that point, they've been calling um, 
him a, well, a few of them have been calling him a puppet master. Yeah, but look, they're just, and, these, these uh, are hysterical libs. This is what they do. They try to find various boogeymen to, to fit into this narrative of, you know, Trump doesn't do any thinking for himself and he just does what he's told and all, all this other stuff that you hear. Uh, look, there are obviously conservative uh, media voices that, that are very influential, not just on the president's mindset, I think, but on the national conversation about these issues. You know, Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. I mean, these are people who are moving the needle on perception on issues like immigration, and, and that includes the perception of, of the president himself. I would just note that, you know, this is true of all presidents. I mean, everybody has people that, you know, that they respect on, on certain issues or, or just in general their, their judgment and their wisdom. So that, that's nothing surprising at all. But, yeah, I mean, to your point about how it, it, there's, there's, one, there's one puppet master this week and another the next week, just like one week they have to get rid of Trump because of the 25th Amendment, the next week they have to get rid of Trump because of Russia. And then the next week they have to get rid of Trump because of paying, you know, paying off Stormy Daniels and, and uh, Stephanie Cl- Clifford. You know, I mean, that's, it, it changes every week because that's their, their emotional need is to find a justification for their hatred. That's really what it comes down to. How's, how's it up point. in Boston, by the way? Are you are you like skiing to work? How's it going there? Skiing to work? We haven't had a flake of snow on the ground here, at least just north of Boston. I think a little bit further north, they have a little dusting and stuff. No, we haven't really had much snow. We have a lot of rain. All right. Well, tell your Boston buddies, by the way, to tune into the show up there on our, on our Boston affiliate. So thank you very much for listening. I am trying my best. I'm you spread the best. word. I know it's a bunch of libs up there in Massachusetts, but there's some good god-fearing conservatives in the boston area you need to listen to this show so you tell you spread the word my friend kenny shields high thank you for calling in that reminds me by the way it's a great time to say that uh you know if you're listening to us uh live on any station across the country if you ever can't listen live on a station and you want to listen to the show uh at your on your schedule at your leisure the podcast of the buck sexton show is available it is 2019 folks all of you who are listening should it's totally free you should be subscribed to the podcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on the iHeart app. And this is also great because when someone's talking to you, they're like, hey, you know, I want to learn more about the border. You don't just say, oh, have you heard about this guy? The Have you heard about this guy, the Buck Sexton? No, no, no. Have you heard about the Buck Sexton show? You can say, oh, here, I will text you a link to the iTunes uh, the iTunes podcast of the Buck Sexton Show, or hey, here's an email with the iHeart Radio uh, app that that shows you where to listen to the Buck Sexton Show. That is how you can spread the word about the show, my friends, and it is something for which I will be eternally grateful. So please do tell some folks out there about this, and uh, that will help us continue to grow. By the way, my I just saw this. This is a, a kind of a random thought, but my uh, Hill TV co-host the uh, wonderful and talented uh crystal ball uh was a jeopardy question tonight so i gotta john you gotta i gotta find out a way that i want to be a jeopardy question what is buck sexton you know or no i guess (laughs) i think i think it would be who is whoops right you're a smart guy exactly thank you that's what i'm talking about uh, but I, I'm a little jealous that my co-host got to be a, a Jeopardy question. I want to be on Jeopardy. How do I get to do that? I have no delusions of grandeur. It wouldn't be celebrity Jeopardy. It would just be. I just want to be a normal Jeopardy. You got to find out how you do it. Uh, I think. I think I would clean up. I'm just saying. I think I'd be. I'd be pretty strong on, on the Jeopardy front. 
Uh, talk some smack about that. Uh, oh, I didn't play this before, and I, I wanted to. And then we'll get to maybe the Gillette ad. And I mean, the Pelosi State of the Union thing. She, we, we got, ah, man, I haven't talked. I didn't talk to you guys yesterday, so there's so many things I want to get to. The Gillette ad, maybe we have time for that. All right, let, let me start with this, though. You know, Clapper is, uh, you know, J- James Clapper's out there. He's a former director of national intelligence. He's kind of a, a crusty old curmudgeon. And he obviously hates Trump and says some really terrible things about President Trump uh, to include that he thinks that, well, I'll let him I'll let him say it for himself. Play clip three. Withdrawing from NATO, even discussing uh, discussion about the withdrawing from the NATO, I think is uh, would it would be disastrous for the security. I think that act would be so destructive to our country. It would be a a ground for uh, some profound effort by our part, whether it's impeachment or the 25th Amendment. He can't do that to this country. Um, And I don't believe that he can do it without Senate uh, Mm -hmm. ratification. Notice how this is this is something that is said and, and is not often challenged in the media, but that you could think that foreign policy differences of opinion are grounds for removal by the 25th Amendment. Effectively, what the, that was uh, Democratic Representative Jackie uh, Spire, Spear, I don't know how you say her name, Spire. Um, this is a way of saying that if you don't agree with the establishment foreign policy consensus, you're crazy. This is what this is what they think, which I think is, in fact, crazy. But they think that if you disagree with uh, with the approach that we've had of not just being in NATO, but, you know, allowing NATO to be what it is. I mean, I don't think Turkey should be in NATO. I think we got a problem. I think the Turks, we should start to say, look, you guys need to be a little more helpful here or else that whole NATO situation might have to change. Um, I I think that uh, we should at least be willing to ask these questions and and retest assumptions about about alliances and about what we're trying to accomplish. And there's always this there's impulse that you see from many people in the press because foreign policy is where they think they get to sound really smart you know a lot of people have opinions on what's going on here at home but it's it's foreign policy where uh, the the journos get to flux the flex their uh wikipedia muscles a bit more you know oh this is what i just looked up let me talk about it on tv um but clapper and the rest of them who who think that trump's difference of opinion with them on a foreign policy matter like NATO is grounds for removing him. That is really disconcerting. I mean, that for me is something that we need to take a long look at. And it, it ties into this broader mentality of, well, the establishment and the apparatus of the government, uh, the FBI, the national security agencies, they can be in a place to override the president's judgment on what is in our national security interest, which is why that New York Times piece from what was it, last week where they were saying that the FBI opened an investigation on Trump because he fired Comey, the FBI already had an investigation into, into Trump and Russia and collusion, and they're already looking at this. So that, to me, just indicates even further that they don't understand their constitutional limitations. Whether you want to call it a deep state or just the permanent bureaucracy or the fourth branch of government or whatever it is, there are clearly very powerful careerist elements within the national security bureaucracy that think that they 
should have their judgment be above the president's on these matters. And I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I wasn't suggesting that people within the DOD or within the DOJ veto Obama's judgment on that. I thought Obama had really poor judgment on a lot of stuff, but he was the president and he did get to get his way on stuff. You've noticed that right now in the Trump era, there are all these efforts to justify overriding presidential discretion and decision making. And that in and of itself is really troubling. It should not be happening. And Clapper and the rest are trying to give cover to that that uh, impulse. And I just think I think it's wrong. Um, it's very obviously wrong. But we got uh, toxic masculinity to discuss. We got all kinds of stuff here, folks. So uh, our three is a rockin'. We'll be right back. When do you want to spot that burglar? When he's casing your home or after he's in? Ask John, whose blink camera alerted him to burglars trying to break in while he and his family were home. Or Shannon, whose blink camera caught a thief stealing packages. Both times, blink video clips were sent to police to help convict the crooks. Blink motion activated indoor and outdoor cameras are wire free, set up in minutes and run on two AA batteries that last up to two years. And if you're traveling, Blink's live feed options lets you monitor your home and check in on pets from anywhere using the Blink smartphone app. No contracts, no subscriptions, totally affordable. And Blink works with Alexa. Blink camera systems make great gifts and they're a brilliant way to monitor your package deliveries. Visit BlinkProtect.com slash buck. Again, BlinkProtect.com slash buck. One more time, that's BlinkProtect.com slash buck. Blink is an Amazon company. So you have this uh, Gillette ad that I told you about. I was uh, early on this train. I was one of the ones that figured out that this was going to get a lot of attention. Was, you know, Don't be a jerk. Don't abuse people. Don't pick on people and you know it's like yeah we know this has nothing to do with masculinity this has you could just call this psa don't be a don't be a bad person which the people either know that or they don't at this point i think um but uh, there was a cnn panel uh yeah i have i don't even think i've bashed cnn once this whole show so that is something that we have to take care of right now there's a CNN panel that got together on this one, bashing toxic masculinity. Here's what they said. Play clip six. I like the ad, actually. Yeah. I thought it was great. And I guess people are outraged because they don't want to hear that men sometimes behave in a, in a toxic way. I watched this with my, my 11-year-old son because I wanted to figure out what the controversy was here. And we both looked at each other afterwards like, it, all this ad is about is bad behavior. There's nothing on the line. This is kind of in a way, right on target, because it is the men shaving in the locker room after the gym in the morning, getting ready for work, and they're talking crazy, and you have to say, yo, we can't talk like that. This is not okay. Men being groomed, I like this metaphor. What is in the water over at CNN? Uh, really, what, what are they... Do, do they all go to some kind of re-education camp where just all of our normal impulses as Americans get, get wiped away, and we're supposed to just nod our heads and and accept this progressive claptrap. The ad is the ad is idiotic, and Gillette is getting crushed all over the place. It, it didn't bring anything new to light. It, it didn't tackle any tough issue. It's just yeah, don't don't be a jerk. Uh, who was that? Uh, uh, Kirsten Powers, I think it was. That's what it sounded like, saying that you know some some men behave in a toxic way. Yeah, we know. 
<laughs> thanks, thanks for pointing out that some men are bad. Pretty sure we're all quite aware of that, that, that men can do bad things. But just imagine for a moment, what would happen if we released a toxic femininity ad? Is, is there, are we really going to pretend that that can't be a thing? I mean, I just want to, I want to really dig into this woman. Why is there all this focus on, on this concept of toxic masculinity? Is, is toxic femininity not something that, and now I know that the, there's, it's wide open for all kinds of jokes here. You know, toxic femininity is telling me a hundred times a day to put the toilet seat down, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that we could all talk about, but that would never happen. In the, and and it's it's strange because obviously men and women are both capable of being fantastic in every way and being terrible in lots of ways. So this is kind of a, a big idiocy, but it, it has gotten more attention. I just think it's so funny. It's like clockwork at CNN. They're like, yeah, I like the ad about the toxic masculinity because it's virtue signaling. This is all about showing people the concept of toxic masculinity is closely associated now with liberalism and progressivism and intersectional politics and being a a cutting edge, hip, progressive type. That, that's what it is. You just put it on the big list of things like climate change and, and being for DACA and the dreamers and you know being for... Ocasio-Cortez style tax rate, 70% plus and all this. This is, you don't have to think about any of these positions. If, if you want to be one of the the good people who likes this stuff, you just have to favor these positions. And then everything else gets a lot easier after that, right? Everything else turns into, oh, okay, well, in that case, I just have to say what I'm told to say here and and then everything will be fine. But by the way, this, this, uh, well, using certain phrases and and relying on certain concepts on the left too much so that it becomes mechanical so that it's rote so that it's just a a phrase to be deployed for a purpose not one that somebody really thinks about that came back to uh to bite at least one liberal here um i have in the past uh, worked with and and gotten to know uh, david webb he's a, he's a good guy i no, this happened yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to address it. He was talking to a CNN legal analyst named Ariva Martin. I will say CNN's legal analysts are particularly poor. Uh, they have a lot of analysts that are, are not very good on their chosen subject matter, but their legal analysts, in my opinion, are, are among the, the, the flimsiest in terms of their uh, reasoning and, and the, the intellectual ability they display across the board all their legal analysts and jeffrey tubin i mean just not good um but ariva martin had an exchange with david webb many of you i'm sure know david webb he's also a fox uh, fox news contributor and here is how this went play clip two different parts of the media world done the work so that i'm qualified to be in each one i never considered my color the issue i considered my qualifications the issue well david you know that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of how do i have the privilege of white privilege david by virtue of being a white male you have white privilege this whole long conversation i don't have time to Uh, ariva i hate to break it to you but you should have been better prepped i'm black Okay, then I stand. See, you went to white privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You went immediately with an assumption. Your people, obviously, or you didn't look. You're talking to a black man. This is part of the problem with driving a narrative around a construct like white 
privilege. Privilege is one thing. We're applied wealth, economy, uh, various social factors, but not necessarily determined by color of skin. Yep. That just happened. You had a, a, a female African-American CNN analyst tell a black conservative uh, analyst and host that uh, he has white privilege. Obviously, she did not know what she was talking about. But that that, that would happen doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, the same way it doesn't surprise me that a panel at CNN would all say that toxic masculinity is something we need to talk about. Because these are buzzwords. These are phrases. These are are ways that you show what side you're on. And you don't have to think them through. You don't have to apply them judiciously. You know, whenever any male, particularly whenever any conservative male does something you don't like, just call him out for toxic masculinity and you will get applause from the left, from your side. Whenever any person says anything uh, who, who is white, it obviously doesn't work when you're saying this to David Webb, although she had to find that out the, you know, the hard way. Uh, but whenever a, a person who is white says something that, that someone on the left who is a minority or not, even another white person disagrees with, because liberal white people give themselves a pass from white privilege, right? Because they, they criticize their own white privilege, but then they weaponize white privilege as a concept against others. But they say these things not just because it's a way of trying to essentially score cheap points in an argument, in a debate, but they know that those on their own side will say, oh, okay, see, you're with us. You're with the good side, the good people. And it's, it's virtue signaling. And uh, it's, it's a means of, of separating left from right that all it takes is just to say the right words. Um, team, we'll be back in just a moment. I think most, most people involved in law enforcement are, uh, I don't know if the, the, the uh, Lingo is still the same. They used to be called essential. I think it's been changed to something else, but I think they're on the job. But obviously, uh, uh, we'd like to, people would like to see the shutdown ended, and that's why people want to see some com- kind of compromise. And, uh, you know, you, you call it the Trump shutdown, but I mean, it takes two to tango. So I didn't get to talk to you yesterday about, about uh, incoming, hopefully, Attorney General uh, Barr. And uh, I think uh, I think Bill Barr will do do a fine job from everything I've seen and heard so far. I, I think it is interesting also that they keep changing. And this came up when I talked to Border Patrol today. I asked them, I said, how do you guys feel about the shutdown? They said, look, we're working without pay. Trump has already, I think, signed a bill to give them retroactive pay. Though They will get paid. It might be a few more weeks, though. But they, they used to call it um, non-essential personnel and over time. The government employees that fell into that non-essential category uh, really resented that because it does bring people to ask the question, well, if you're non-essential, why do we have you doing this job? Uh, and, and so they've changed it. I think it went at one point to exempted, but even that sounded a little bit like it was uh, given a special status. And, and so there was, there was a little bit of pushback on that. And then they changed it to accepted. So now you are accepted from uh, a, a government shutdown if you have to continue to show up and do your job. And I've found these, uh, I found these online, uh, tw- mostly on Twitter, people saying, you know, a TSA agent I saw looked at me and, and said, you know, but keep the fight up against Trump. And we cried. I'm like, why do people do this making up anecdotes thing all the time on social media? It's always so obvious. 
It's like when, and it's liberals that tend to do it from what I see. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm biased about this part. I don't know. But, you know, liberals are the ones who say, you know, my 10-year-old came up to me and said, I don't understand why Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act has been changed in such a way as to not fully protect the voting right. I don't think your 10-year-old asked you that. Prove me wrong. Exactly. I don't think your 10-year-old did. I think that that's, uh, I think people are having a little bit of a, a little bit of fun with the truth there or playing, playing, playing some games with the truth. But on uh, on the Mueller probe, Bob, uh, I, keep, I want to say Bob Barr. I know it's a different guy. Bill Barr was asked about this one, and uh, he's saying, "Look, I'm I'm going to do my job. I'm going to let this thing happen the way it's it's been it has been happening, and and that's it. Play nine. If confirmed, I will not permit partisan politics, personal interests, or any other improper consideration to interfere with this or any other investigation." I will follow the special counsel regulations scrupulously and in good faith. And on my watch, Bob will be allowed to finish his work. My goal will be to provide as much transparency as I can consistent with the law. When his report comes to you, will you share it with us as much as possible? Consistent with the regulations and the law, yes. I am going to make as much information available as I can consistent with the rules and regulations that are part of the special counsel regulations. I'm in favor of as much transparency as there can be consistent with the rules and the law. See a case where the president could uh, claim executive privilege? In theory, if if uh, there was executive privilege uh, material that to which an executive privilege claim could be made, it might, con- you know, it, it, it someone might raise a claim of executive That would be pretty difficult following the U.S. versus Nixon. And Mr. Giuliani said the president should be able to correct the Mueller report before any public release. So in other words, he could take this investigative report, put his own spin on it, and correct it before it's released. Do you commit that would not happen if you were attorney general? That will not happen. So what what problem? I mean, you kind of heard some of the highlights here from the hearing. I know you don't sit around. It's my job to sit around and watch all these boring Capitol Hill hearings all day and tell you what matters from it. Uh, but, but what problem could the Democrats really have with this guy? He's already been the attorney general. He did a fine job. There's, uh, you know, he, he's friends with Mueller for heaven's sake. So you can't say that he's some kind of anti Mueller zealot. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think it's all going to work out just fine. But I hope that he also. Bring some transparency. I, I hope that he goes even further than just not disrupting the the Mueller probe. I mean, at, at this point, I think the Mueller probe is illegitimate, but I think that stopping it would be a terrible idea for the administration, and it would just give the libs what they want, which is another excuse to completely freak out. Uh, but Lindsey Graham's at least telling him, "Look, you gotta you gotta also do a little bit of housekeeping here and, and get this place in order at the Department of Justice." Play eleven. This is a message, August eighth, twenty sixteen, a text message. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right. Strzok responded, no, no, he's not. We'll stop him. March 4th, 2016. Page to Strzok. God, Trump is a loathsome human being. October the 20th, 2016. Trump is an effing idiot. Is unable to provide a coherent answer. How do these statements sit with you? I was shocked when I saw them. Okay, please get to the bottom of it. I promise you we will protect the investigation, but we're relying upon you to clean this place up. 
There's got to be some house cleaning that goes on over at the Department of Justice. There's been a lot of bad actors over there, very, very senior levels. And I should note that my colleague uh, John Solomon over at the at the Hill has just has just uh, broken a story. I'm not going to tell you too much about it now. Maybe we'll get into it more tomorrow. But he's broken a story on the Hill.com where I also work. Uh, saying essentially that Bruce Orr tried to warn, uh, tried to warn senior DOJ officials. Maybe Orr wasn't a bad guy in this at all. I don't know. Uh, but Orr tried to warn DOJ officials about the fact that the dossier was bought and paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign, and that they should really think long and hard about how much credibility they give it. And and they took it. Uh, DOJ took it to the uh, FISA court anyway, and got the. Got the FISA, FISA stuff up and running based on the dossier, right, on, on Carter Page. And it's bad stuff, bad stuff that we need to we need to get to the bottom of for sure. I uh, want to get to a, a roll call here. It's always fun to hear from all of you, so we'll do that. Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to get in on that roll call action. We'll take just a moment here. We'll have a beat, and we'll come right back. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Somehow it seems fitting that I am doing Roll Call from California, and there's some dubstep going on. California, very hip, very hip, very with its states. Coming to you live from the West Coast, the left coast. But is it really the best coast? All right, Roll Call. I have not been able to uh, get into a Roll Call in 24 hours, so I miss it. Hopefully you miss it. And with that, without further ado, uh, we will see what we've got going on here. And that means, first up, Brandon. Whoa, Brandon writes, you mentioned eating better on Monday's show. I would strongly recommend looking into the Trim Healthy Mama Diet. I have quite a bit of success with it. haven't really changed my lifestyle at all and dropped 30 pounds in a few months. The basic concept is you wait at least three hours between meals. And you can either have a high-fat, low-carb meal or a high-carb, low-fat meal. It isn't as efficient as keto, but when you do have a cheat day like chocolate over the weekend, it doesn't really set you back. And you aren't always trying to stay in a state of ketosis. I'm sure there are many people who know that a lot more than me about the subject, but this one really works for me. Anyway, best of luck. Shield time, Brandon. Brandon, I have never heard of the big mama diet uh, but that sounds interesting i'm not really sure even how it would work but there we go uh, beth writes buck just watched tucker carlson tonight he has a segment uh, to, uh tonight telling us about an abortion activist talking to children on the youtube show hi ho kids telling these children how god is okay with them having abortions well beth that is uh, horrific and uh i haven't seen the segment but it sounds terrible so I will uh, take a look and see if I can find it. All right. Uh, Julie writes, I love your show. I was wondering, could you look into a big problem happening with parents with disability losing custody of their children uh, and how they get away with it? Please and thank you. Uh, custody to the state. Um, Julie, I'll have to check into that. I don't know anything about it offhand. And right. Have you noticed the only people talking about ending the Mueller investigation are the Dems or the people who, who accuse Trump of being a tyrant while expecting him to solve issues with executive orders are Dems? I don't understand it. Uh, well, no. And it's it's because it feeds 
it feeds their narrative and it feeds their news cycle needs, right? If they can create an entire news cycle that's really just an extended discussion about whether or not Mueller's probe is going to get shut down, this creates the the fear reflex in their audience of, oh my gosh, Trump is destroying America. And then there's all kinds of you know, follow-on commentary that's necessary. Oh, what would we do? It's a constitutional crisis. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. You get it. So it's only win-win for them to speculate wildly about how the Mueller probe is going to end. They just keep, they just keep doing it. Um, and yeah, there you have it. Shalene, uh, right? You spoke about keto tonight. I have to tell you, three people in my family have been doing it since November. My son has lost 50 pounds. I've lost almost 30. It has been surprisingly easy to me. I'm 68 and never would have thought it possible. We also use a fitness app to help keep track of stats. Should be plenty for you to eat that's gluten-free on keto. Good luck. Love your show. Shields high. Shalene. Uh, well, thank you, Shalene. Sounds like a lot of people really like this, this keto approach. And I, I have heard many good things from many, many people. The finest people. Only the finest people. Richard writes, uh, Buck, happy Hoosier hellos, my friend. If you're going to be in Chicago, Italian beef all the way. But when you order be in the know, always get sweet or spicy peppers, and then there's gravy. So dipped means you submerge it in the goodness. With with gravy means it gets a good amount put on, and dry means little to no gravy. Dry is just lame. It's like diet dessert. Don't do it. So if you're ordering, get Italian beef spicy with gravy or sweet dipped. Wow, this food looks amazing. It looks not particularly healthy or gluten-free, but does look very delicious. Thank you for sending that my way. Nathan writes, Buck, you are a prime candidate for the carnivore diet, knowing, wow, a lot of a lot of dietary advice coming. What are you guys trying to tell me here? You know, and gosh, I haven't been quite as strict on my gym routine, but man, it's like jump. Everyone's jumping in the mix here. We got we got we got other things we could talk about too. Um, you're a prime candidate for the carnivore diet, knowing how much you dig ribeye. Check out the Joe Rogan Jordan Peterson podcast, where Jordan talks about his experience with it. It's pretty much what it sounds like: animal products, no vegetables. Um, hmm. No veggies, huh? I don't know. I feel like veggies are good. I'd have to uh, I'd have to look into this one a little bit more before I could sign on. Eric, Tool is my favorite heavy rock metal band, hands down, at least in my lifetime. I think their biggest single was Sober. It's a badass band all around. Highly recommend. And they're a great addition as a workout tune choice. Gets the juices flowing. All right, Eric. Looks like I'm going to have to add some tool to my spotify playlist uh, i will check that out gerald writes but caught part of your show the other day the global warming one with the peer-reviewed journal of one scientist warning others not to tell the truth about global warming could not write down info can you share a link i did not get a chance to listen as often as i as i want to but thank you for the concise information and uh, thank you for your time and work jerry uh jerry I have to go back and look at that one, but it was a an academic journal, so I don't remember offhand even what it was called. It was like the Journal of Something and Something or Other. It's definitely not anything that you would um, expect to be fun reading. It's it's not a beach read. That much I can tell you. Uh, here, more keto, more keto, more keto. All right, all right. K 
Kathy writes, hey, Buck, Kathy here. Love the show. Last week, you asked for suggestions on possible guests. Have you ever heard of Michael Cutler? He appears as a guest on our station here. Please consider reaching out to him. I think your listeners would love to hear what he has to say. Shields, hi. Um, I do not know this Michael Cutler guy, but I will look into him. Thank you for the heads up. Josh comes up with uh, some new stuff here. He writes, remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There has never been a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. John Adams, 1814. I really hope and pray we are not seeing this before our very eyes. Well, Josh, that's pretty pretty intense. I have to be honest with you. I didn't even know that that was an Adams quote. So I, uh, I, I hope you're right in and democracy is not consuming itself right now. Um, Rocky writes, I don't understand. An emergency can be declared, and it's expected a judge is going to block any actions to address it for months. If I declared I have an emergency, I'm declaring I don't take care of this uh, expeditiously, I may not ever be able to. Well, Rocky, that's a good point. If you're declaring an emergency for a judge to overrule and say, no, you can't declare an emergency seems like it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the emergency declaration. Right. So that's, that's something that I I do think you you raise a a fair point. Thomas writes, Buck, you're doing a great job exposing the high level crime in DC. Alan Dershowitz is correct when he says the first crime committed in the Mueller investigation was for a special counsel to conduct a counterintelligence investigation based in an illegal FISA warrant. The whole thing was contrived from the very beginning and will not prove anything except that the top level of the FBI were biased and corrupt. Even when Mueller finally, if ever, finishes his investigation, there will be no indictments or recommendations for criminal charges. Keep exposing the fraud. Shields high from Thomas. Well, my friend, uh, yeah, I think that there has been malfeasance at a very high level, and I will continue to expose it as much as I can here. Team, that's going to be our show from the uh, West Coast today out in San Diego. Uh, I wanted to uh, thank our iHeart partner out here, KOGO. Very nice of them to uh, let me hang out in their studio space and uh, do my show from sunny San Diego. Although the weather's been a little iffy the last few days, I'm just saying. Uh, but no, it's been great out here. Really, really worthwhile trip at the border, as obviously you can tell from what I've been able to tell you about it. I'm flying back tomorrow. There's no way for me to be able to get to a radio studio in time. So that means that we're going to have our friend Raheem Kassam, who will be in the mix. So Raheem's in for me tomorrow. He always does a great show for you guys. And then I will be back live with you on Friday. Until then, Shields High. There is a conservative alternative to all those super lib progressive email services out there iPatriots.us. iPatriots.us is going to give you all of the best aspects of email. That means it's secure, private, includes more of what you want, and it's better than other services because it doesn't have all the ads and spam and doesn't sell your information to third parties. Okay, You're going to get 30 gigs of cloud storage with iPatriots. You're going to have 256-bit encryption, and it's compatible with most mobile devices. So All the technology you want, none of the nonsense, and none of the liberal progressive agenda 
that's being driven by the company that controls your email. Okay, you don't want this. Show you're a patriot. Go to ipatriots.us now. Choose your membership program and input your desired iPatriots email address during checkout. Enter promo code BUCK, that's B-U-C-K, for 10% savings during your first year of membership. Again, ipatriots.us, promo code BUCK for 10% savings.